go loopy loo. Here we go loopy light. Here we go loopy loo. All on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies podcast. I can't resist reading another part, another chapter of The Music Shop to you by Rachel Joyce. Um, it's such a lovely book and it is set very much in um, kind of old England, 1988 um, is where it started. And uh, it gives you an idea of how things were in that time. Quite, quite poor areas um, of the UK I'll, I'll just read this about how he acquires the shop on Unity Street. The first time Frank saw his shop, he burst out laughing. Ha! <laughs> Great joyous lungfuls. It was 14 years ago. 1974, Britain was in its first recession since the war. The miners were on strike and a three-day week was in force. I remember that. He had been wandering the city for hours. He had no idea where he was heading. He passed the cathedral, the network of old alleys, passages and cobbled lanes that surrounded it with their trinket shops and cafes. He walked the length of Castlegate, the main shopping precinct in the city, staring at the big windows and he visited the clock tower. Further on, he noticed gates to a park, a queue at the Dole office. He tried an amusement arcade and afterwards browsed a line of market stores, and then he followed several residential roads in the direction of the old docks. He only stopped at Unity Street because it was a cul-de-sac with a pub and six shops on one side and a row of Victorian bri uh, brown brick houses on the other. Short of climbing rooftops, he couldn't physically go any further. And so he paused and he really looked at it, this little run-down street, an Italian flag at the window of one house, the smell of spices bursting from its neighbour, a woman in a headdress shelling peas on her doorstep, a gang of kids pushing a trolley, a set of letters painted across another facade advertising rooms to let. He stared at the parade of shops, an undertaker, a Polish bakery, a religious gift shop, the empty shelf with a for-sale sign at the, no at the window, and then a tattoo parlour, and finally a florist. He saw two old men in the undertaker's window offering tissues to a woman who was crying. He saw a boy pointing to a cake in the bakery, another man in his fifties helping a girl choose a plastic Jesus in articles of faith. He saw a young woman with painted skin mopping her floor, a pair of curtains at her window, and the word tattooista on the glass, while an old lady in a sari emerged from the florist with an armful of flowers, calling her thank you as she closed the door. It was the everyday ordinariness of that that moved him, that and the usefulness as if this diverse mix of people had always been there, like mothers and fathers, helping others to find what they needed. In his mind's eye, the future appeared to him in the same way he had seen the distant horizon materialising out of a sea mist at the White House, blurred and remote, but beautiful and full of hope. That was when he began to laugh, and it was years since Frank had laughed like that. He went straight to the estate agent. Of course, the shop needs a little love, sir, said the agent, putting down his sandwich and serving for the searching for the skis. You will have to use your imagination once we're inside. A little love? The interior was a wreck. It was choked with rubbish and the stench was sickening. Clearly people had been using it as a toilet. Someone had even ripped up the floorboards and lit a fire. I like it, said Frank, and he touched the walls just to reassure them. Yes, I'll pay 
the full asking price. Really? You don't want to make an offer? No, it's right for me. I don't want to haggle. Ask Frank to love a nice house with a garden, all mod cons, he would have turned on his heels. Ask him to fall in love with another human being, he would have fled. But this, broken as it was, and manky and misused, yes, this was on his level. He admitted to the estate agent he didn't have any experience with DIY, but guessed it couldn't be so hard if you got a book from the library. He also admitted he didn't have much of a clue about shops. Peg had only ever had things sent by special delivery. He mentioned Harrods, Fortnum's and Deutsche Grammophon. The estate agent, whose wife drove to the supermarket every Saturday, couldn't believe his luck. The property had been empty for a year and the parade was on its last legs. Lumps of masonry had a habit of dropping to the ground whenever someone slammed a door. Beyond it lay an expanse of rubble where a bomb had hit the street in 1941. Last time the agent looked, he'd seen scrappy children playing there and also a tethered goat. The street was a complete mishmash. One day a developer would have the sense to flatten the whole lot and build a car park. But Frank didn't seem to notice. <clears throat> Instead, he suggested a beer in England's Glory, the pub on the corner. There was something about this great big fat young man with his wild hair and shabby clothes, his funny lollopy way of walking, as if he still hadn't got the measure of his feet that baffled the estate agent, a kind of innocence you didn't often see. His hand was soft as powder puffs, clearly he hadn't done a day's hard work, and he couldn't stop talking about records. When the agent asked him what had brought him to this particular nook, Fraser said, uh, Frank said that his, his van had just stopped. Nook was the estate agent speak. There was nothing nookish about this corner of England. It was an eyesore. Its main industry was processed food, flavoured snacks to be precise. When the wind blew in the wrong direction, the entire city smelt of cheese and onion. But the estate agent was not the only one who was being fanciful. Frank too could have been more specific. He could have said his van had not exactly been going for the last 20 miles, and he might also have mentioned that since the death of Peg, his life was a write-off. He didn't even have the White House by the sea. Recently he'd been on the move and sleeping rough and waiting for a solution to jump out at him. And now here it was. If he could run a small shop in a dead-end street without the complications of love or ties, if he could put everything into serving ordinary people and avoid receiving anything in return, he thought he might just get by. He sold his van for scrap and signed the paperwork that afternoon. He didn't even wait for a survey. So you're going to open a music shop, Maud asked, the first time they met. She was a short, blocky young woman with a Mohican that, he, that she dyed different colours to suit her mood, generally very dark colours that were not to be found in nature. Her skin was an inky web of hearts and flowers. Frank looked up from the curb where he was sitting in the sun. He held a notepad and pencil. He was drawing smiley faces. Yes, he said, I'm going to help people find music. What about Woolworths? What about Woolworths? I have to tell you that Woolworths is an old, uh, it was an old shop in England that was very cheap and cheerful and sold everything. But anyway, there was one on Castlegate. It's a 10 minute walk from here. Oh, said Frank. I wondered where I was going to get the chart singles. He went back to his notebook. You mean you have no stock? Stock, she rolled her eyes. Cassettes, tapes and stuff. I have all my old records in my van, but I won't sell tapes. There's no beauty in tapes. I'll just sell vinyl. 
But what about people who want to buy tapes? He smiled. To his confusion, confusion, she turned a scalded shade of red as if she had just been attacked with a blowtorch. They can go to Woolworths. The old woman who used to own your shop sold sewing stuff. No one came, you know. She lost her marbles, ended up in a home. Frank made a mental note not to depend on Maud if he was ever in need of good cheer. He began the refit straight away. In one morning alone, he dragged out a washing machine, a car battery, a mower and an iron cot. Ivy was uprooted, floors swept, window frames prized open. Now empty, the shop was suddenly full of potential. It seemed so much bigger from the inside than if you were just passing. A counter could go here to the side of the door, a turntable at the back. There was even room for two listening booths. He bought a bag of tools and set to work. Frank might have cut a lonely figure, but this did not make him unusual on Unity Street, where many people had once been alone, and barely a day went by without someone popping his head round the door, actually through the door, because there was not yet any glass, to take over the work. Frank found them records by way of payment. The shopkeepers he had so observed carefully now took to him under their took him under their wing. He learnt more about the ex-priest who had retired early for personal reasons and poured a drink around the same time he poured a bowl of cornflakes. He learnt more about the twin brothers whose family had run the funeral business for four generations and sometimes held hands like children. He heard the story of the Polish baker and he began to realise that when the tattooist scowled, it might actually be a smile. Inside the shop, broken floorboards were replaced, walls were replastered, pipes were repaired, roof tiles fitted and so were windows. The staircase to the flat was made safe and the building was replumbed. When his cash ran out, Frank applied to the bank for a loan. You won't get it, said Maud. It turned out the bank manager's wife had just had a baby. The poor woman had not slept in weeks. The bank manager confessed to Frank he had no idea how to help his wife. He had tried everything. Frank sat forward. The chair was on the small side, in point, it was actually verging on miniature, and listened with his chin in his hands. He forgot all about the loan. He just listened. It was only at the very end of the interview that the bank manager read through Frank's paperwork and said that since he had no experience in retail, the bank would never agree. You seem a good man, he said, but with inflation as high as it is, we can't take any risks. As well as the recession, everyone was worrying about the Cold War. They fully expected to wake up one morning and find Soviet tanks parked outside the co-op. Frank returned to the bank the following day with two records, Waltz for Debbie by Bill Evans and The Canticles of Hildegard von Bingen, along with a note listing the tracks the manager's wife should play. He also included a lullaby. Oh, that's appropriate. Your wife doesn't have to listen to this, he scribbled. This is for the baby. The lullaby was not an obvious choice, and neither was it classical. It was Wild Thing by the Trogs. But it worked. The bank manager wrote to Frank, beautifully typed. His wife had slept, and the moment the baby heard his lullaby, he too fell into a kind of trance, as if for the first time someone had recognised the animal inside him and made a safe place for it. The bank manager added it would be a pleasure to provide the full loan. He enclosed the necessary paperwork. He had taken the liberty of filling in the form on Frank's behalf. He finished the letter with best wishes for the future and his name, Henry. From that day on, they became good friends.
Simple wooden shelves were built. Frank bought a proper wooden, uh, proper turntable and a pair of JBL speakers. In the early days, the shop was stocked entirely with his own albums and singles. Because he loved them and knew everything about them, he arranged them carefully in boxes, not by genre or letters of the alphabet, but more instinctively. Uh, for Frank, music was like a garden. It sowed, sowed seeds in far-flung places. People would miss out on so many wonderful things if they only stuck with what they knew. For a couple of years, no reps would visit. He looked more like a, It looked more like a shed than a shop, one of them said. There was the big Woolworths on Castlegate, and a new Alprice Records had opened less, less than ten miles away. Then, when Never Mind the Bollocks was released in 77, Frank was the only record shop owner within a 20-mile radius who would take it. He sold out in two days. He had to borrow Maud's Cortina and drive to London to buy an entire new stock. He filled his shop with small independent labels he'd never even heard of now until now. In the early 80s, a rep dropped by every day. They unpacked promotional T-shirts, posters, tickets, even freebies. Ten, price, ten records for the price of one. No matter that he refused to stock cassette tapes, the music shop was on the map, and so was Unity Street. Frank was so busy on Saturdays, he advertised for an assistant, though Kit was the only applicant who produced a homemade CV, listing every club he had joined, as well as the St John's Ambulance Cadets, the National Philatelic Society, and the Diana Ross Fan Club. He was clearly desperate to escape. Now that CDs were on the rise, a few customers and reps had stopped calling at the music shop. Out of date, they called Frank, pig-headed. But it was kind of cool, everyone else agreed. When a man has the passion to stand up for something crazy, it makes other problems in people's lives seem more straightforward. And anyway, as Frank was often pointing out, customers could go to Woolworths or Our Price if they wanted a cassette or even a new CD. They had stacks of the things. How could anyone get excited about shiny plastic? CDs wouldn't last. They were a gimmick, and so were cassettes. I don't care what anyone tells me. The future's vinyl, he said. Now, this is the shop um, that Frank opened, and, of course, we now know that some woman has appeared at the uh, the door of the shop, and we don't know what this mysterious woman has in store for Frank, and it is quite a, quite a storyline. I might just read a little bit more if I'm tempted, um, but in the meantime, I would like to offer you the chance to email me if you wish at luby at lubyslullabies.com that's luby spelt l-o-o-b-y l-o-o-b-y at lubyslullabies.com just like the podcast if you email me I'd be delighted to hear from you with anything you might like to say any uh, thoughts or feelings about what I'm doing it would be a pleasure thank you for listening and this is goodbye from luby at lubyslullabies thank you